A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew. After he had fed the people, Jesus made the disciples get into a boat and precede him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. After doing so, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When it was evening, he was there alone. Meanwhile, the boat, already a few miles offshore, was being tossed about by the waves, for the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, he came toward them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It is a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. At once, Jesus spoke to them, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Peter said to him in reply, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. Peter got out of the boat and began to walk on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw how strong the wind was, he became frightened and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and caught Peter and said to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? After they got into the boat, the wind died down. Those who were in the boat did him homage, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. There are some passages, particularly some passages out of the gospel, that are just so powerful in and of themselves that sometimes it seems like preaching a homily, just, it seems it would be anticlimactic. And the reading itself carries such force and such weight, just that image of Jesus walking on the water to the frightened disciples in the boat. Um, that is truly an amazing thing. Speaking of boats, I realize we have some children here. We've got some, some young people came in while I wasn't looking. So we can have a children's homily. Do the, do the young people want to come up for a children's homily? Come on. Come on up. I don't bite. Yes, come on up and y'all can sit uh, a good six feet away from me. And we're going to look at some boats here, okay? Mm. All right, have a seat. There's one young boy back there. He might get brave and come down here in a minute. Um, but if not, it's just you and me, okay? Now, I want to show you some pictures of some boats. Now, this, this is my boat. Actually, it's not my boat, but anyway, it's a boat that I used to work on. It's an aircraft carrier called the USS America. It's a really big boat. It's over a thousand feet long. It displaces 66,000 tons of water. It has eight diesel-powered boilers that produce 1,200 pounds of steam and 210,000 horsepower. Now, when you work on a boat like this, especially if you're the one in charge, you have to know everything about the boat. 
And so when, that's why I know all these things. I even know the weight of the anchor chains. You ready? Every link on the anchor chain weighed 300 pounds. Every single link of the chain. So you have to know all these things because when you take the watch on a boat like this, you're responsible for the lives of everyone on board. And there were over 5,000 men on board. So it's a big responsibility. So you just learn all that stuff. And that's probably 30 years ago. I still remember it. But this is my boat. Let's look at some other boats. These are some boats that you might recognize. Do you know what this boat is? This is the Santa Maria, the Saint Mary. It's one of the boats that Columbus used to discover America. And it's just got two masts. And this is a little bit, uh, this is a little bit more recent boat. This boat is the Mayflower. This is what brought the pilgrims to Plymouth Rock. And it's just a little bit bigger. See, as, as we get further along in time, we get bigger boats. And obviously then modern boats like the aircraft carrier is a huge boat. Well, let's see if I can turn this on because, oh, here we go. I think I do like that. There we go. This is a picture of the kind of boat that Jesus and his disciples were on. And we know what it's looked like because they discovered one stuck in the mud of the Sea of Galilee and they pulled it out. And this is a, re this is a replica. This is a rebuilding of it because the one there, which I've seen, is uh, just, you know, it's in pretty bad shape. So they rebuilt it so that people could see it. Now hold it up so that people can, eh, all, all you see your parents and all your friends in the back can hopefully see this is the boat just like the one Jesus and his disciples were in. And they were in this boat and they were very afraid, but Jesus saved them, didn't he? And we're going to talk about that a little bit more in the homily, okay? So you can go back to your seats now. I think you want to give me a hand with all these boats so I don't drop them like I did the last time. Thanks. You got that one and I got there. Oh, you got it all? Oh, good for you. Thank you. Okay, there you go. Here you go. It's all, lots of help now. Okay. So as I was saying, sometimes these stories are so powerful. And so what I want to do today, instead of uh, just preach at you like I normally do, I want to introduce some of you, maybe this is an introduction, some of you may be accustomed to it, and that's to the practice of imaginative prayer. Have you all ever studied that? Ignatian imaginative prayer? Some of you have? I know you shall. You wrote the book. Yes, okay. I'll believe it or not, this is the first Mass in which anybody has had any experience with it. Every other Mass asked the question, nobody had ever heard of it. And I know you had a, you've had a lot of Jesuit priests in this parish, I can't believe one of them didn't teach you how to do this. But that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to go through a prayer. Now, St. Ignatius Loyola, who himself had a very vivid imagination, and before his... I can take this off now, can't I? Because the kids aren't here. And before his conversion, he used to love romance novels. He always read romance novels about knights and ladies in waiting and... Of course, he was a soldier himself, and then after his conversion, he took his imaginative interests and he learned how to use them in prayer and developed a system of imaginative prayer where rather than just recite words in your prayer, you pray in your imagination and you allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you through your imagination. It's a very powerful way to pray. 
And I'm going to guide us this morning just in an imaginative prayer exercise based upon this gospel lesson. Now, one of the ways to use imaginative prayer, and probably the simplest, is to imagine yourself in a gospel story and encountering Jesus. And allow the Holy Spirit to speak in your heart as if you're conversing with Jesus, like you're there talking to Jesus and he's touching you. So we're going to do that today. And so I invite you to close your eyes, if you're comfortable with that. If, you're, if you have trust issues and you don't like to close your eyes in public, I completely understand, and so you don't have to close your eyes, but it might help. Holy Spirit, come and speak into our hearts. Speak into our souls the word you have for each individual this morning. And imagine with me that you're one of the disciples. And you've been following Jesus for a couple of years now, and you have seen Jesus do truly amazing things. You've seen him heal the sick. You've seen him cleanse lepers. You've seen him drive out demons a couple of times. You think he may have even raised the dead. At least that's what it seemed like. And you've just finished watching Jesus feed thousands of people with just a few loaves of bread and only two fish. And so you're kind of wondering as you're sitting in the boat, going off from shore, leaving that place where Jesus performed this amazing feeding miracle, and you're wondering, what could be next? What's Jesus going to do now? Is he going to just declare himself king and raise up an army and throw out the Romans and take the throne in Jerusalem and start acting like a proper Messiah? And what's he going to do next? You wonder. And Jesus has sent you and the other the disciples out in a boat to cross the Sea of Galilee, and he stayed behind. And you're kind of used to this because he does that a lot. He often likes to go off by himself and pray, and sometimes all night long you've observed him praying. And so he's gone to pray, and you're in the boat, and it's a nice day. The water is still and calm, and and everything seems good, and you get into the night, and you're going to figure out, get to the next shore probably sometime around dawn but you're not worried because you've got some really great seamen with you you've got Peter and Andrew and James and John they've been fishermen since childhood and they know how to handle a boat so if there's anybody that can take care of this boat it's them but then all of a sudden in the middle of the night a storm hits you head on the wind whips up and Suddenly you're in the midst of a gale and you know exactly what happened because you've lived around here You know this you know what happens a gale from the Mediterranean Strikes the southern face of Mount Carmel and it just makes a wind tunnel And then suddenly the wind goes from a dead still to seven a 70 mile an hour per wind gale and Most of the people you know that have experienced this have died there in the water and you're afraid. Peter and Andrew and James and John, they're working hard to keep the boat safe. They've, they've brought down the sail. They're they've manned the oars. They're trying to keep the boat 
head on into the waves because they know if as soon as it gets sideways to the waves, it's going to capsize and you'll all die. But you're beginning to wonder, is there skill enough for this storm? It's just tearing at the boat and it's not a very big boat. It might wash, the waves could wash someone over or worse, might break the boat in two. And in the midst of your terror, someone sees a figure walking on the water. It looks like a man out there. And then someone cries out, it's a ghost. You know exactly what it is. You've heard those stories. How sometimes the dead from Sheol, from the, from the netherworld, from the place of the dead come up and they take the living and they drag them down into Sheol with them. And you are terrified. You have never been so afraid in your life. You know that that ghost is coming after you to drag you into Sheol, into the place of the dead. But then the figure speaks and says, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. You know that voice. You've heard that voice many times. It's the voice of Jesus. But it can't be Jesus. Jesus can't walk on the water. Only God can walk on the water. From the first day of creation, as Moses described it, the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters. And from that day until now, no one has been able to walk on the water but God himself. But Peter, headstrong, impetuous Peter, he longs to be with his Lord. He hears his Lord's voice and he wants to be with him. And he says, Lord, if it is you, bid me come to you. And Jesus says to Peter, come. Peter climbs out of the boat and to everyone's astonishment, it looks like Peter can walk on water too. Peter is going to meet Jesus. His eyes are so transfixed, he cannot take his eyes off of Jesus. This man that he loves, this man that he serves, all he wants is to go be with Jesus. But then a wave crashes and splashes him in the face, and he's startled. He suddenly looks around and begins to see the wind and the waves and the storm, and he realizes, what am I doing out here? He begins to grow afraid. He doubts. He sinks. And Jesus, full of compassion and mercy, always patient with us, reaches down and takes Peter by the hand and lifts him back up and carries Peter back to the boat. Says, places Peter in the boat and he climbs in the boat and he says to Peter, why did you doubt? And as Jesus gets back in the boat, suddenly the storm is gone. The sea is calm again. And you think, only God can walk on water. And you all kneel down and say to Jesus, truly, 
You are the Son of God. Everyone I know faces troubles in life. Everyone I know faces fears. There are things that we're afraid of. There are situations in life that we're just not sure we can make it through. Can you see Jesus walking to you in the midst of your fear? Of whatever you're afraid of, Jesus is standing there in the midst of it. Because whatever causes us to be afraid, Jesus is its master. And Jesus calls to you, come. Of the little shells we build around ourselves, we think to protect us. Those little quick sayings we have to quip at somebody when they say something we don't like to try to protect ourselves or those places we go to hide because we're, we're fearful of being found out. We're fearful that if people knew us the way we really were, they wouldn't be able to stand us, wouldn't be able to live with us. Can you come out of these shells? Get out on the water with Jesus. Can we keep our eyes so transfixed on Jesus that all those fears that plague us will just fade away? We won't need them anymore. Can we walk towards our fears but with our eyes on Jesus? Can we reach him and embrace him and hear Jesus whisper in our ears, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid.